Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable human centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Bay Curious listener Gary Pilgrim rekindled a romance with a high school sweetheart who he hadn't seen in 40 years. Things went well, really well, and soon they got married. My new bride and I uh, took a drive in our convertible, and uh, we were thinking of the scene out of The Graduate where uh, the convertible uh, crosses the Bay Bridge. Remember that scene? Dustin Hoffman drives a cherry red Italian roadster. On Gary's romantic drive, he stopped in the middle of the Bay Bridge at Treasure Island, that man-made pad of land jutting out into the San Francisco Bay. There, he found a panoramic view and all these old buildings. He was enchanted. I've uh, driven over the Bay Bridge and seen Treasure Island, and it causes me to wonder what's its past, uh, what's going on there now, and what the plans are for its future. We're going to explore the answers to Gary's questions in two episodes. One about Treasure Island's past. Another, which will air next week, about its future. I'm Olivia Allen Price. On this episode of Bay Curious, the making of Treasure Island. How did San Francisco build an island in the middle of the bay? And why? Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Committed to brewing things the right way since 1980, because when you're a family-run brewery, there's no other way to do it. Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast. With an S. Thanks. KQED science reporter Kevin Stark headed out to answer Gary's questions. I meet with Ann Schneblin inside the atrium of one of the oldest buildings on Treasure Island. It's about f- three, four stories high. The, the, just this room is cavernous. Ann is a historian. She's on the board of directors of the Treasure Island Museum. I've been hanging around Treasure Island and doing research. I've been doing that for about 30 years. She tells me this building was supposed to be an airport terminal. A century ago, all this, the terminal, the land, Treasure Island itself, wasn't here. What was here was a sandy shoal that surrounded Yerba Buena. 
that naturally occurring island just next door. In the 1930s, a lot was happening in San Francisco. It was coming out of the Depression. Passenger flights were new and exploding in popularity. Swift and safe as birds in flight, the giant planes of American Airways... Ann says San Francisco wanted a bigger airport. Also, engineers were almost done building both the Bay Bridge and the Golden Gate Bridge. They would open within a year of each other. The city wanted to celebrate these engineering marvels with a big world's fair. They'd done this before. That's how the city got the Palace of Fine Arts. They built up for a World's Fair to show people they had fully recovered from the 1906 earthquake. And so, needing space for an airport and a fair, city leaders started looking for land. And what do you, what do you know? They decided they wanted to do it on Yerba Buena Shoals. But they needed money. Ideally, federal money. So they pitched President Franklin Roosevelt on the idea. And FDR really loved the idea of an airport and was agreeable to the idea of a World's Fair uh, to, to follow the airport. So um, the federal government provided quite a bit of money to build the island. How do you build an island on the shoals? You scoop up mud from the bottom of the bay. The Army Corps of Engineers piled tons of boulders onto the reef north of Yerba Buena Island. They dug up the equivalent of two and a half million dump trucks of bay mud and sand, pouring the muck inside the boulder dam. Then they built the airport terminal that Ann and I are standing in. A terminal, but no runway. Today, over a network of 40,000 miles, Pan American Airways, largest of the world's great airways systems, with a fleet of 150 clipper ships. Pan American Airways carried goods and mail in clipper planes, trans-Pacific flying boats. They could take off and land on the bay's water. Eventually, plans called for proper runways to be built, big enough that planes could land on the island. But FDR was focused on the war in Europe. He wanted to make sure there was a submarine turning basin. The island was the site of attention. Between something romantic, the fair, an urge to celebrate San Francisco's achievements, and the powerful, overwhelming force of World War II. The idea of the Navy or of Treasure Island at some point becoming a military installation was there from the very beginning. To the building of these bridges. But first, the fair. February 1939, the Golden Gate International Exposition opened with great hoopla. A $50 million pageant of the Pacific, mounted upon a dazzling man-made island in San Francisco Bay. On the first day, more than 125,000 people descended on Treasure Island. California's governor opened the gates with a jewel-encrusted key, reportedly worth $35,000. And of San Francisco, the city that knows how. The elaborate fair celebrated extravagance. Art Deco towers, gardens, sculptures, and glittering purple and gold lights to create a sense of wonder. Performers like jazz musician Benny Goodman played free concerts. Ann says people could visit ornate buildings like the Temples of the East and the Corda Pacifica. All of these things are part of the, the effort to make the fair look like what its, its subtitle was, which was a pageant of the Pacific. With Europe already at war and tensions rising between Japan and the U.S., the fair's organizers wanted to send a message of unity and peace. 
So they included architecture from across the Pacific. Especially ancient-type architecture. But really, it was just a big movie set. More than 10 million people came during the fair's first season. Admission ticket cost 50 cents, but still, the fair lost money. It looked like Magic City was going to be a giant, beautiful failure. What is said to have saved the fair was entertainment, Billy Rose's Aquacade, and it was wildly successful. The fair asked showstopper Billy Rose and his well-known synchronized swimming and music show to perform on Treasure Island. Swimmers and divers performed in elaborate costumes to music from a huge band with drums and trumpets. The Aquacade was a hit and extended the life of the fair for months longer than expected. September of 1940, the fair ended. The war in Europe was impossible to ignore, and the Navy began occupying Treasure Island. I understand they basically started moving onto the island almost as soon as the fair ended. Herb Kane, then a young columnist for the San Francisco Chronicle, attended the fair. Later, he recalled, Then came the night the lights went down forever at the fair on Treasure Island, and we knew there was nothing left to do but wait for our war to come along and get us. For what was left of our youth died then and there out in the Black Bay. On the island, the Navy registered sailors, preparing them for deployment. Altogether, more than 4.5 million soldiers stopped at Treasure Island before deploying to the war. Instead of San Francisco's airport, the land became Naval Station Treasure Island. Reporter Kevin Stark. Treasure Island remained a naval station until the 1990s, when the Navy leased its buildings to San Francisco. Soon, the island will undergo another makeover. 80 years ago, Treasure Island was shaped by, arguably, the most consequential force of the 20th century, World War II. Now the city is building thousands of new homes, but the bay water is rising. Next week, we look 80 years ahead and learn that Treasure Island is being shaped by, arguably, the most consequential force of the 21st century, climate change. Bay Curious is made in San Francisco at KQED. I'm Olivia Allen Price. Hi, Bay Curious listeners. Are you ready to play May's trivia game? Every month, we read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org slash baycurious, or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a cool prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. Okay, our question for the month is, the world's longest-running pillow-fighting contest was held from 1966 to 2006 in what Bay Area town? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck! Hey there, it's Olivia Allen Price, host of Bay Curious, the podcast. KQED Podcasts wants to thank listeners like you, whose support makes this podcast possible. If you want to help us continue to make great content, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. And thanks.